Hello. I hope right now you are standing with me outside the theater building, facing the river. If you want to sit down, go ahead, whichever bench is closest to you. Once we start, I'll walk with you. You can pace your footsteps with mine. Or not. This is up to you. I'll give you directions and bring you to some of my favorite places. Places to put memories, places to make new ones, places I have felt scared, connected, enormous, and true. I don't know what the weather is like today, so adapt to your surroundings and what's possible. This is your letter. Time belongs to you. You can come back to this path anytime you want. Make a memory and place it here. We'll hold on to it for you. You could create scar tissue all over this town and trace your fingers over the bumps. Press on it when you want the feeling again. But today I need to give these letters away. I want to give them to you. Carry them with you. You never know when you'll need them. March 24th, 87. Rebecca, this is your official invitation to join me one Friday, April night to A. Celebrate our love and affection. B. Allow you to watch me dance with other women. C. To rub my body up against yours in a slow dance. D to laugh with you and enjoy each other's presence. E, to tie you up and make love to you quickly. Now you have been officially invited. You can A, ignore this pathetic plea. B, choose a suitable night. C, dream about tying me up, making me helpless while you eat me. D, make a jello mold or tofu treat. E. Call me, or run, or sleep. F. Buy me a ring. G. Do some dishes. H. Masturbate like there's no tomorrow. I. Sweat impulsively. J. Emit a small portion of gas. <laughs> you decide. Love you. Jew girl. Let's start walking. If you're at the theater building facing the river, we'll make a sharp right around the building towards the street. Once you get to the street, make a left. We're heading to the giant silver art building across the street. Cross at the stop sign. Be careful. Look both ways. I like how the trees look over here. While we walk, I have a gift for you. July 19th, 93. 11.30 a.m. Madison, Madison, Madison. 
I am obsessed with you. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I only can think of you and our lovemaking on Friday night. Thoughts of you crying, thinking of how beautiful I find you. Being scared to let me kiss you everywhere, afraid to let go of that last control to me. Afraid to be so totally vulnerable. I want to possess you, capture you, belong to you, belong to you, belong to you, belong to you. Madison, I belong to you. I surrender my body, my heart, my soul to you, my beautiful Madison. I am more afraid than I have ever been in my life. Afraid of the totality of my desire for you. Afraid you'll ask me to leave Terry. Afraid you won't ask me to leave Terry. What's going to happen to me? How can I live without you now that I've found you? I cannot. Come to my house on our next weekday off and spend the day with me. Start in the morning. Make love. Go on a picnic. Hold hands. Tell me your dreams. Make love again and again and again. Let me court you. Woo you. Seduce you. Let me rub our wetness together. This time, I won't hold back my climax. I love your hands, lips, pelvis, legs. I love you, Angel. I love you, Janet, Madison, Mary, Michael, Ledit, forever and without conditions or hesitation. If you reject me now, I will die. Laura. I hope you made it. If you are facing the giant silver building, there are two big stone pillars on your left. Let's go look at them. What a grand entrance to a parking lot. For me, it's gray out here today. The snow is dirty and melting. I didn't understand that I was gay until one night when I was 24. I realized I was in love with my friend Abby while watching Blue is the Warmest Color, and I found myself uncontrollably sobbing during a lesbian sex scene. Before then, all I understood was that I was different. Awkward. Weird. Too fat. Too loud. Too masculine. Many people had suspected my queerness, but they either kept it to themselves or hurled it at me like a grenade. But thankfully, I figured it out for myself eventually. The day after I came out to my parents, thoroughly disrupting Thanksgiving with my audacity to take up space, I bought myself a book of historical lesbian love letters. I treasured this book with all my heart. 
whispering wishes into my pillow, begging the universe to allow me a love as great as theirs. Let's go across the parking lot towards the big copper building. Stay along the building. You'll pass by the yellow hydrant. If you keep walking around the back of the building, an arch will appear. Go under it. I want to show you the pond. Yuan Zhen to Bai Zhui. Other people too have friends that they love, but ours was a love such as few friends have known. You were all my sustenance. It mattered more to see you daily than to get my morning food. And if there was a single day when we did not meet, I would sit listless, my mind in a tangle of gloom. To think we are now thousands of miles apart, lost like clouds, each drifting on his far way. Those clouds on high where many winds blow, what is their chance of ever meeting again? And if in open heaven the beings of the air are driven and thwarted, what of man below? Do you see the aluminum man sitting by the pond? You can put your hand on his shoulder, lean against him, look out. Is the pond moving for you too? March 6th, 1994. Mi amor. I haven't stopped loving you, but the pain of our relationship has turned me into a despicable, overly sensitive, and insecure creature. And two pimples have erupted on my left forearm, and I know it's because of us. I hate myself. I told you once that I didn't know if I could forgive you for betraying me. I tried to let it go and believe that you were more confused than dishonest. Still, I don't trust you. That stained white cap you wore when we first met turned me off, and so did that cheap-looking knotted gold earring. You're soft, low, polite voice, and the way that you fold your hands when you speak made me tag you as insecure, conservative, and unimaginative. I didn't even like you at first. I agreed to have sex with you because I had premenstrual horniness and I needed a good fuck to get the blood flowing. I didn't think you'd be any good in bed because you bored me with your talk of caressing women. But I figured it was worth the risk because we'd never see each other again. And anyway, when you squeezed my thigh for an instant in that bus, I immediately oozed. We should have just fucked and left it at that. You told me you didn't love her anymore and that the magic had worn off. You portrayed her as an immature, manipulative alcoholic who didn't even please you in bed. You wanted out, but you were never brave enough to leave. You lied to me! At first, I thought that the close relationship you had with your family was due to mutual love and business ties. Now I see that you let them devalue your work, control your money, limit your life and our love, and humiliate you for being a lesbian. 
I lost my respect for you. I believed in our dreams of sharing a life together. Feeling tiny in my king-size bed, I made a space that waited for you. I wore your ugly, knotted gold earring like a trophy. I hate you for making me lose faith in love. We can't go back the way we came, so head out towards the road. Oh, but wait. I'm gonna grab a rock before we go. Not the prettiest one, but the one you like best. It can hold your hand for a while. Okay, back towards the road. There's so many stairs over here. We're gonna cross the street again, but we're heading to the front of that brick building with all the arches, back towards the river. I'll walk with you. I used to use these letters as mirrors. I hunted the details of each to find them in my own life, inventing each story full and fresh, each with new detail, new tragedy, new impossible stakes. I wanted love worthy to be included among them. My revelation of my queerness to unleash adventure and romance of preposterous proportions. I came out. As if I had unmasked the final Scooby-Doo villain, I thought I was my final and complete version of myself. Courageous, free, and gay as hell. I arrived at the conclusion that had previously only surrounded me in other people's whispers. But I needed a love story to make it all worth it. The bone-crushing weight of a life lived in loneliness had to be justified. My constant and hungry search for love and partnership was now at least driving in the right direction. Once you get in between the brick building and the river, wait for me at the start of the Green Green Bridge. May 1995. Hi, it's me again. I came across this old letter today. In it, I sounded so desperate. I needed to be with you so badly. Remember when we used only initials in letters? We were so afraid someone would discover us. That all seemed so long ago. At times, though, I still feel that same terror. The terror of misguided hatred. Today, we are completely different people from those who found each other in high school. How did we make it through? We faced obstacles from the very beginning. Why did we not just give up? Maybe I had no other real option. From deep down in my soul, I love you. With every part of me, I love you. I sometimes feel that you are as essential to my survival as air and water. It's as if my real life began ten years ago. I awoke to the bright sunshine after a dark, frightening dream. You are my happiness, my music, my laughter. Thank you for this life. Happy Tenth Angel. Love, S. 
Does that one tree still have dead leaves on it? They stayed stuck all winter. A couple years after coming out, I did get to fall in love. And when I did, I tore out the love letters from my book and hid them around her apartment like a lovesick Easter bunny, willing her to find them in the perfect moment, crafting our love story with postal notes of the past. I had so much stored-up love from a life unlived, I brought her two enormous suitcases full of presents for our first Christmas. Over text messages, in the hazy minutes between sex and sleep, in the supermarkets, in the library, we would invent scenes from our future. Building houses, painting walls, filling drawers, having children. And one time, we even mourned the life of our imaginary dog, Cheddar. After we invented them, I thought I was seeing our blue-eyed, curly-headed kids everywhere. Any toddler I saw on the bus became ours. And rather than a silly game or potential delusions, we considered it a sacred practice. We spun our great love story into the future. I planned my proposal. I would tackle her in a cornfield and give her a poem. We built traditions treasured repetition steeped in much more meaning than our short time together should have allowed. She proclaimed me holy, and I thought she was forever. A professor told me she used to catch all the queer kids making out in those little brick arches. For kicks, she'd call out hello, and they'd scatter like spiders. I made it to the bridge. Did you? I've got a letter to help you cross. I hope you don't roll your eyes if I borrow the metaphor. November 1985. Darling, I will continue on the path like a true warrior. I release you into the great sea of love from whence you first came to me. We will meet again. I love you eternally. I am committed to your soul forever. You will never be farther from me than my heart where you have a permanent resting place, free from fear, free from judgment. I love you unconditionally. I am in your life to serve your soul. We have completed our first journey together in this lifetime. We have come together. We have infused each other with love and strength and wisdom. We have empowered one another, inspired and nurtured. You are very beloved to me, my precious wonder. I trust the future. I'm excited to see what will happen next. I love living my vision. I let go of wanting you. I let go of my attachment to you. I will miss holding you. You are the most powerful lover I have ever had in this lifetime, and I surrender to you completely with no fantasies other than of your energies merging and mingling with mine creating a cauldron of synergy out of which peace and justice is fed to the planet. We have done some very good work together, my darling comrade. The entire world has been uplifted by our partnership, by our love. I have grown immeasurably with you, and I see how far I still must go in this lifetime. So I trust the future. Love, 
your Catherine. The air smells different over water. Did you notice? Once you've crossed the bridge, go down the steps to your right. Make another right to get down to the river path, and then make a left. Continue on the path along the river until you find the benches. Pick one you like and have a sit. Look at that big, big sky. Sunday night, November, 1884. I am getting sleepy, for I must confess that it is past bedtime. I went to church this morning, but this afternoon I have been far afield, way over the hill and beyond, to an unusual distance. Alas, when I went to see my beloved big pitch pine tree that I loved best of all the wild trees that lived in Berwick, I found only the broad stump of it beside the spring, and the top boughs of it scattered far and wide. It was a real affliction and I thought you would be sorry too, for such a mournful friend as sat down and counted the rings to see how many years old her tree was, and saw the broad rings when good wet summers had helped it grow, and narrow ones where there had been a drought, and read as much of its long biography as she could. But the day was very lovely. I found such a good little yellow apple on one of the pasture trees, and I laughed to think how you would be looking at the next bite. It was very small, but I nibbled it like a squirrel. I was in some underbrush, going along the slope, and saw a crow come toward me flying low, and when I stood still he did not see me, and came so close that I could hear his wings creak their feathers. I wished for you so much. It was a day you would have loved. Let's keep walking. We're not turning back yet. If you keep going straight, you'll go through a small white tunnel underneath the train tracks. The day we were packing the U-Haul for me to move in with her halfway across the country, she told me she was in love with someone else. I still got in the U-Haul, but I may as well have driven it off a cliff. I didn't think I had any other choice than to keep moving forward, holding on to our invented future, make her fall back in love with me. 
Our stories turned to dirt in my hands, but I clenched my fists for control. Once we arrived in Philadelphia, our real selves couldn't fit into the same apartment. We fought over where to hang the art. There were sharp corners everywhere. I didn't think she made enough room for me. Together, we had invented a beautiful, beautiful story. Inspired by these letters, we created an entire past, present, and future, but living together in the same house, we couldn't reconcile it. Once you go through the white tunnel, stop. I'm going to give my rock a home on this wall. And if you turn around, you can see yourself in the mirror. I know it's for the sharp turn and bicycles, but it's kind of cool to see yourself like this in nature. It's been a while since I've caught a glimpse of my grizzled face in a mirror like this at a 7-Eleven, but here we are, back again in this body. February 24th, 1958. Dear Peter, sure miss you. As if a golden soul of me were still there, to think on, floating six feet above ground across the Atlantic. I feel your ball of soft fire in the room, and your presence summoned up by a thought sometimes. Keep thinking of Shakespeare's sonnet. But when I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored, and sorrows end. Got all your letters now, including last airgram, February 19th. I'm making it all right here, but I miss you. Your arms and nakedness and holding each other. Life seems emptier without you. The soul warmth isn't around, only lots of energy. I do a lot. As in England, I read wildly and saw lots of people and did something to hot posy there. It will have an effect, I'm sure, once they broadcast that BBC record. Open the floodgates in London, maybe, for new feeling and poetry there. It's all so deadened and insincere. But I feel alone without you, Peter. I already daydream with tears of how sweet we'll be. Meeting again in summer, it seems a short time off. Bill thinks new American generation will be hip and will slowly change things. Laws and attitudes. He has hope there for some redemption of America, finding its soul. But we are so run by competition and deception, there is no possibility of men being true, even to their dear wives. You have to love all life, not just parts, to make the eternal scene. That's what I think since we've made it. More and more, I see it isn't just between us. It's a feeling that can be extended to everything. Though I long for the actual sunlight contact between us, I miss you like home. Shine back, honey, and think of me. Find anybody in New York? Maybe also we have some mad balls in New York when we end the summer? Goodbye, Mr. February. As tender as ever, swept with warm rain. Love from your Alan. Go back through the tunnel. We're going to go to the right, up to the chapel. 
In my experience, it's rare for queer people to make a church in a building like this. I've attended sermons and met my congregation in clubs, at the beach, in art galleries and cornfields, in dive bars, movie theaters, and once a year in the parking lot of a Sherwin-Williams. Space only matters in that you need enough of it to hold the right people, words, and feelings. I say build your own church. I think this one is locked anyway. A month after I moved in, we drove to her friend's wedding in Michigan. It was the first and only gay wedding I have ever been to. We fought so much along the drive that I had to ask her to pull over on the highway so I could scream into a field. During the ceremony, I recited recipes in my head to avoid sobbing, my head and heart falling to pieces as I saw before me what I knew we would never have. At the reception, we went for a walk, and I begged her to stay with me. That I knew we were meant to raise children together, that I could see them in front of me as clear as day. If you turn around and look at this field, you might see where the lost little queer kids of the future will be hanging out. All of the multicultural centers will have buildings here in Hubbard Park in a few years, including the Pride House. Maybe you'll see the queer kids sitting cross-legged in the sun in hesitant groupings, practicing what it means to be themselves, trying on language, trying on lovers. Maybe they'll be reading our letters. Head over to your left to the trees that divide the field and the parking lot. Pick one of them to lean against. Practice the effortless pose of the elder you are, were, or will be. How you will scoff at them when they beg for your stories. How you will relent anyway. How you might be vulnerable. How you will do your best to protect them. How you will call them family. April 10th, 1947. I don't care what you think. That's what I want. If you're able to understand and can see your way clear to shepherding me around the big city for nine months, then perhaps go to Europe with me next summer. That's swell. Great and wonderful. Exactly what I want. If not, well, why not? Really, damn it, why not? You sense I'm not worthy of you? You think I wouldn't fit in? You presume I'd treat you as badly or worse? You feel I'm not bright enough? You know I'd be imposing or demanding or trying to suck you dry of all you have intellectually? Or is it just that you are almost unconsciously aware of enough lack of interest in me or indifference to my plight and need of you to believe that all the trouble of helping and living with me would not be quite compensated for by being with me? I can't promise a darn thing. I know I'm bisexual, but prefer women. There's a slimmer line than you think between my attitude toward love and yours. Don't be so concerned. It'll fall into line. Beyond that, who knows? Let's try it and see, huh? Relax, man. Think about what I say, and try to see yourself moving toward me without any compulsive demands, due to lack of assurance that I love you, 
or because of lack of belief that I understand you, etc. Forget all that, and in that forgetfulness, see if there isn't more peace of mind and even more physical satisfaction than in your present subjective longing, whether for me or Claude or anybody. I know one cannot alter by this method, but come to me with all you've got. Throw your demands in my face, for I love them, and find a true closeness. Not only because what emotionality I have is also distorted by loneliness, but because I, logically or not, feel I want you more than anyone at this stage. I'm really beat off to bed and a knowledge of relief, for I know you must understand and move with me in this. You better not fight against it or any other damn thing, so shut up, relax, find some patience, and fit into my mellow plans. Love and kisses, my boy. Oops, excuse me. I'm not Santa Claus, am I? Well then, just love and kisses. Neil. I hope you're rested, because I'm climbing up to the old capital. The big gold dome, the Pentecost. You can join me if you like, but you don't have to. You can stay with the kids in the field. There's a bench on the side of the chapel. Write your name in the grass. This is your letter. Do with it what you want. But if you're going to the top, let's get a move on. For six more months, I refused to let this relationship fail. All I could think of was the suffocating loneliness I experienced before I met her. I pushed and pushed to preserve the story in between the truth of ourselves. But even that explanation I just gave you is still a story. I left a lot out. We didn't like each other's art. I've never had as much fun with another person than I did with her. She could transform any ugliness into beauty, and I didn't know that was a bad sign. I said horrible things I wish I could take back. She was an incredible cook. I involved other people in my misery and hurt them. She took a lot from me, but I thought I could turn seduction into partnership. I'm not sure what of it matters anymore. Everything becomes a story eventually. On the day we broke up, a woman named Mary Beth called me to tell me that I got into the University of Iowa. Birth and death in the same episode. A few weeks later, I came for a visit and walked along the river, the February wind biting into my cheeks. I found the chapel and sat in there and discovered my version of what people call prayer. I crossed the green bridge and stood in the lobby of the theater building and stared at the river. I left knowing I'd be back. For me, the Pentecrest view is worth the effort. I like being on top of this strange little town, seeing the horizon, the edge of the world. Did you know that the day Iowa passed marriage equality, a bunch of queer strangers gathered up there to celebrate? I can only imagine how good that sunset felt. When you get to the top, take a look. Rest on a bench for a while. 
you can head back down when it's time. May 4th, 1980. Dear Layla, I'm returning the jewelry. I thank you for trusting me to have it, to share it, to wear it. But we talk about completion. For me to return it symbolizes a completion. A completion of our relationship, at least as I have known it to be and have wanted it to be. The return is not accompanied by any anger or bitterness. There is some regret that we haven't been able to participate more fully together in this act of separating, but I think I'm prepared to accept your emotional withdrawal. I haven't been so equipped previously. I'm astounded, though, at how plugged in I am to our relationship. My fantasies, my dreams, my expectations. You are right. An honest, objective analysis of what we've been together and what we are today indicates that a future together is futile. Who knows what will happen? I'm not prepared to even guess, I don't want to dream, I don't want to work very hard now at creating or shaping a future together. Undoubtedly, something will develop. I think our love for one another runs too deep to just wander out of each other's lives. For now, I just need some space to be, to heal. I love you deeply, Elle. I'm writing to you today to let go. I've been delivered across the river. I've known love and named it. We get to have it and we get to have it again. As many times as our luck will have us. I'm writing to you today to let you know that you may lose it all and you can heal from it. That you can carry yourself back up the hill. The leaves fall off the trees and they grow back. Your chapped lips won't last forever. I'm writing to you today to tell you that I love you, that I fell in love with myself again in that little church. I want to tell you that the wind over the river blew my hat away and I bought another one, that I ran out of breath going up the hill, that it takes effort, that it feels impossible, that someone on the street called me a dyke and I laughed. I'm writing to you today to tell you that I might need to come back to this sometime too, that you can give your weight to the grass, that you can practice being yourself and fail. I'm writing to you today to tell you that my heart still hurts sometimes and I still clench my jaw when I think about her, that I still think about the poems we wrote each other, that I still think that they were good, that I still like the names we had for our imaginary kids. Sometimes the whispered wishes into your pillow at night come true and end up rotting in your hands. It can all fall apart. And it can come back together. And maybe I'll get to pick new names. I'm writing to you today to prove to you that you aren't alone. That we have a bloodline and they were just as horny, depressed, and lovely as us. 
I'm writing to you today to say I've got your back. I hope you have mine. I'm writing to you today because your queerness is bigger than one lover, one crush, one hopeful longing. It's bigger than a community or a softball team or a movie or a choir. It extends into the infinite past and future, forming a twisted, nuanced history. You can spend time with your ancestors in these letters, and you can write one now to your own descendants. I'm writing to you today because your queerness is bigger than a love story. When you're ready, head back down the hill. We're going to go into the IMU through that side door in the parking lot. If you need to pause and catch up, that's all right by me. If you're doing this after hours, you can come back to this part later. I've needed these letters and I've needed these places. I've needed to spend time in the love of queer people of the past. I've needed to them to convince me that I can have love like them. I've needed to carry them with me like pepper spray, like chapstick, like house keys. But today they're yours. Hold them close and pass them along when you're ready. down the hill? Once you get into the IMU, go up the half flight of stairs. Go straight down the hallway through the open doors. The welcome center will be on your right. Just past the first column on your right, you will see a mailbox. Iowa City has a rich history of queer people and activism. The Gay Liberation Front had its first office in the IMU. Many of us have touched this ground. If you wish, I invite you to take some time and write a letter. What do you know about yourself? Where were you when you realized it? Who helped you? What do you want me to know? What words would you use? What is the moment you finally felt free?
When you're done, drop it in our mailbox. There's paper and pens in there, too. It can be addressed to whoever you like. A lover, elder, community, or place, past, present, or future. We'll make sure it gets to them somehow. With these letters, we might make a quilt. If you don't want that for yours, drop the letter in someone's lap instead. Our path is yours to continue.
Yeah. Oh, P.S. Circa 1927. Look here, Vita. Throw over your man, and we'll go to Hampton Court, and dine on the river together, and walk in the garden in the moonlight, and come home late, and have a bottle of wine, (laughs) and get tipsy. And I'll tell you all the things I have in my head. Millions, myriads. They won't stir by day, only by dark on the river. Think of that. Throw over your man, I say, and come.